This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast and radio show for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Happy New Year, Father. (laughs) Happy New Year. (laughs) Some technical difficulties, some biological difficulties in the form of sickness uh, prevented us from recording, recording a new show yet this year, but here we are, back and about as good as new, right? Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again. So uh, we're, we'll just jump right into things. Uh, if you've listened for a while, typically there's you know inane banter, but Father asked for less of that, so I'm going to try to uh, acquiesce to his request. <laughs> I uh, even submit that uh, request via cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. <laughs> yes, that's right. That or any other uh, any ideas for future episodes, uh, questions you have about current or this this episode, past episodes, you can uh, of course find uh, all past episodes online at the diocesan website you can subscribe to this uh po- as a podcast uh on your mp3 device all sorts of ways to uh to find ignition we are in the itunes store um uh, but if you have questions um uh, about any of that topics complaints concerns seabergwald at sfcatholic.org c-b-u-r-g-w-a-l-d at sfcatholic.org so uh, we are recording this episode on January 22nd, which uh, for us in the United States is now the 41st, yes, 41st anniversary of the Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, which made um, access to abortion, legalized abortion uh, as the law of the land in our country. And uh, Father and I were talking and, and we really, Father, I mean, I, I, you, you would ask me to look and, and I looked at, I was surprised we, we've never, we've never done an episode um, on, uh, d- devoted to the topic of abortion before. Uh, did that surprise you at all? It kind of did. Although, I mean, I think you and I were very, you, I mean, there's a podcast for new evangelization. We've always been focused, I think, on issues of bringing people to faith or from Christian faith into the Catholic Church. And so maybe uh, that's why it just hasn't kind of come about. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and it's worth talking about. And Father, <laughs> we, Father jokingly remarked when, when I you know, confirmed that we had not, that uh, you know clearly we, we as a Catholic Church obsess about abortion here at Ignition at least, right? Without a doubt, there is yes. no concern about that. <laughs> well, and actually, it's funny. Uh, Cardinal uh, O'Malley from Boston, uh, in an interview with the Boston Globe, I think uh, from this weekend, uh, had said, you know, people talk. You know, Pope Francis said something about uh, how Catholics can't be obsessed, and whether it was a right quote or not. But in that uh, interview in American Magazine, Catholics can't be obsessed with abortion or other issues like that. And Cardinal O'Malley pointed out most Catholics probably hear a homily once, maybe twice a year on the issue of abortion, uh, hardly ever on uh, homosexual marriage, hardly ever on uh, artificial contraception, but you'll hear uh, 20, 30 times a year an article about it in the New York Times. Exactly. Yep. And I, and I, and just, you know, I, we, we, we've talked, we, we don't have to uh, belabor. We, we, we discussed Francis's, uh, Pope Francis's interviews in the past and, and he clear, I mean, today, Father, he tweeted uh, in support of, of, of the March for Life that's going on in Washington. He's participating in prayer. Exactly. So he, you know, and if, if you read everything in context, it's clear that he, he has always, he's a, he's a faithful son of the church. He is thoroughly pro-life. Um, it, it's just, you know, th- people, people hear what they want to hear sometimes, I think. Well, 
we all have that temptation. And, and, and when it comes to those hot button issues, people uh, who have different opinions, I think, will, will jump at, at those opportunities uh, where they think that, uh, in this case, the Pope is, is saying something than he, different than what he really believes. Uh, and it's worth, I think, pointing out Cardinal O'Malley is the um, he's the Cardinal Archbishop who is uh, responsible in, in terms of the, the United States Bishops Conference. He's the chair of the pro-life committee, and he's one of the uh, part of the quote unquote kitchen cabinet or the gang of eight. The the, uh, the some some of the close advisors that Pope Francis has gathered from from all around the world uh, to advise him. So here you have a man who um, who who is ardently pro-life um, and is one of Francis his closest advisors again sort of just a, a, a little way where we see that this the that um that meme that's been out there sort of the, some of the conventional wisdom if you will about francis and his views on on um the sanctity of human life isn't quite accurate yep well it's interesting uh, you you use the word sanctity i think it'd be good to transition to the heart of our topic today is, is how to defend the idea of of abortion. And of course, since this is a Catholic podcast, we're going to do this solely by using quotes from Scripture and the saints and things like that, right? Yes, yes, because we don't want anybody of goodwill uh, to agree with us, uh, so we're just going to use things that require faith. Exactly. Yes. Or or, or not. Exactly wrong. <laughs> Um, no, exactly. The uh, and and we'll get into the the specifics, but just on sort of that you know that that fundamental issue. So much, uh, Father of the, so many of the church's moral teachings um, can be arrived at through reason alone. Uh, not just moral teachings, other other teachings of the, of the church. Uh, many of the positions positions that we hold to were held um, and are held uh, by quote-unquote secular philosophers, philosophers, uh, thinkers who use, again, only reason and do not appeal to any religious authority, written text or, or human uh, authority, person or whatever. Um, a lot of what we hold to, we, we can know it's true. We can arrive at the, the conclusion uh, through the use of reason alone. And I know, I know we've talked about faith and reason before on Ignition, but this is just one particular area where, where we definitely have the ability, yes, we can refer to writing of the saints and sacred scripture and the teachings of the church, uh, but we can also appeal uh, to arguments that are that are are based in in, in reason alone. Right, and then uh, out at the March for Life in uh, each year in Washington D.C., occurring on the day that we're recording this, there's usually a group and a representation out there from Atheists for Life. Absolutely, and by the way, that's I, I'm glad you said. I was, just, I was thinking about them as as you were beginning uh, th- that remark. Uh, they have a fan, at least they did. I haven't been there for a while, but they have a fantastic website in, in the sense that it, maybe not visually stunning. Uh, last time I was there, but a number of great resources laying out the logical, reasonable explanation case f- for pro life for for uh, opposition to legalized abortion. Yeah, it's so it's. It's really a great thing to think about, dear listeners, to think that uh, you can and should know how to uh, defend the idea of the dignity, the right to life, uh, and be able to do that from uh, philosophical terms, uh, arguments from reason, and not having to rely upon faith, although it's good to know the faith arguments as well. Absolutely. Um, and so, and Father, for me, I, I, I was I was telling Father about this off the air several years ago. I think back in the uh, the the mid nine second half of the nineties, late nineties. 
I, uh, I ended up getting into a, a lengthy email correspondence uh, with, with somebody uh, who, who managed a website advocating for abortion rights, for legalized abortion. Uh, and for me, it was very helpful because this was somebody who was, who was open uh, and, and generally of good faith. I mean, we didn't, you know, we didn't convince one another in the end, unfortunately, uh, but, but they were open to having a sustained, um, reasonable conversation about our respective cases. Um, and, and, and so we, we, I don't know, it was many, many emails back and forth, dozens, literally, I think. Uh, and it was very helpful for me. It's, I, I, it, that's one of the things that I appreciate most when somebody who disagrees with me is willing to take the time to have a serious, thoughtful conversation about it. Because for me, it, it, I, it helped me hone and better understand my arguments, the reasons why I am pro-life, the reasons why I'm opposed to legalized abortion. You know, I, I, at this point, I'm in graduate schools, so I've gone through college and, and I know the, the basic pro-life arguments, but when you're actually talking with somebody who really disagrees about it and, and, and has thought about it to some degree, uh, it forces you, you know, iron sharpens iron or whatever the thing is. It forces you to really, boy, it, it, you realize flaws in your position. You realize a lack of depth in your thinking. These are all things that happened to me so it was a uh, very, very helpful conversation. And Father, my experience, pretty rare, unfortunately, that, that you right. find somebody on any issue of, 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 of uh, notoriety, uh, so to speak, where, where you can have a sustained uh, conversation where it doesn't just devolve to yelling and, and throwing insults. Evolve or devolve? Devolve, definitely, yeah. <laughs> The, um, and then that, I think it'd be good to get into maybe some of those uh, specifics there, and just to you know point out uh, to the listeners, you know back in um, 1973 when this issue was decided by or when the when the decision was uh, made by the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, the opinion of uh, cultural pundits, uh, the uh, the experts of our society, the New York Times, people like that would say. Uh, you know, abortion is a decided issue, and within, you know, 20, 30 years, it won't even be an issue at all because it's decided, right? But what we see now is that um, this uh, uh, this culture of life, this desire for this life, the desire to protect unborn life has grown. I mean, this movement wasn't there before 1973. It's there now, and it's growing, and it's getting bigger, and there's more participation in these sorts of things now than there uh Almost each year, it seems like the participation grows, and so uh, which is an interesting beginning place just to think about how to have these discussions. That there seems to be some natural human concern for what's going on, right? And you know, the, just to that point of well, this is settled now. The the, um, the court itself, in, in some of its decisions in which it's upheld Roe v. Wade, has sort of said. You know, basically, okay, no, we're serious. Stop. There's no point in arguing about this anymore because we said and we're saying again, you know, abortion is the law of the land. And uh, uh, for reasons that you just indicated, Father, people are like, uh, no, no, it's not. Right. There seems to be something in the human experience itself, in our nature, our common human experience, that says, no, it's, it's, it's not settled. And we see this, and and we're, what we're going to do is we're we're going to get into and unpack the the, the very basic argument, uh, the pro life argument, the argument against legalized abortion. But I think it's worth pointing out, Father, too, that there are um, there there have been through the history, the last forty one years, 
some notable uh, conversions, uh, for lack of a better word at the moment, right. for, for people, major, some major figures uh, in the abortion rights movement who have become pro-life. The first, chronologically, the, 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 the first one that comes to my mind was Bernard Nathanson. Uh, who was one of the architects in many ways of the abortion rights movement prior to 73. In other words, uh, organizing the, the, the movement that led to, up to Roe v. Wade and the overturning of, of laws that limited abortion or made abortion illegal uh, in, 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 the, the, in the country. Uh, he uh, eventually, he became pro-life and uh, he was non-pra- a non-practicing Jewish man. And, and late in his life, uh, he also converted to Catholicism. More recently, I think uh, a few years ago, three, four years ago, um, in Texas, Abby Johnson, who was the director of a planned parenthood clinic, uh, switched from the the abortion rights side to the pro-life cause. So there are, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure there are instances going the other way, but I think some of the more notable, notable, notable um, instances of people switching sides tends to be people leaving the side that supports abortion rights and becoming pro-life. What else is interesting to see how many of those, uh, to look at the issue of self-interest. You know, how many of them might have a self-interest in making a switch one way or the other? You know, it seemed that uh, Abby Johnson did not. It would seem that uh, Bernard Nathanson did not. You know, you, you work so hard on something and then you go against it. Right, absolutely. You know, um, and, the, and of course, the other one would be, uh, I believe it's uh, Norma McCovey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was the Jane Roe right. uh, of Roe versus Wade. Yep, she, she became pro-life as well, absolutely. So... So the, the basic argument, at least, Father, the way that I often put it... Um, Pretend that I'm your, uh, uh, your non-believing interlocutor or your yes. pro-abortion uh, interlocutor from, uh, from your graduate school days. So the, the, the basic argument, or the one that I often, that I usually employ, the, the abortion is wrong because, because it is the deliberate taking of an innocent human life. The deliberate killing of an innocent human being is actually the, the way that I prefer to it. The deliberate killing of an innocent human being. And every one of those terms, Father, I think is important. Go into that. Why is each one particularly important? And how can we like defend and know those terms? Abortion is the take, the killing, the taking of an innocent human life. Yeah. So, so deliberate. Um, Del- in order, in order for something to be uh, okay, one of the reasons the church is 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 so opposed to abortion because it, it, it it's the killing of a human being deliberately on purpose. You know, in 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 law, there's the distinction between murder and manslaughter. It's possible for somebody to unintentionally kill another human being. You, driving down the road and not paying attention and you accidentally hits hit a pedestrian um, negligence negligence exactly um, you don't you're not you didn't intend to kill uh, but but as a res- as a result of your actions this unintended consequences was the death of a human being abortion is not that particularly on the part of the abortionist uh, it's 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 intentionally the killing now they, they we'll get to the latter part but but there's no doubt that whatever it is that 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 is in the womb of the mother is a lie um, obviously, those who support abortion rights would say it's not a human being, but it's alive, and and it's you're deliberately, you're intentionally killing that living entity. Well, and to, and to focus in on this idea, of deliberate again, uh, some uh, proponents of um, uh, some proponents of. Uh, uh, abortion would would ask you to say like, well, are, you know, what about a spontaneous miscarriage? You know, 
uh, of a child. Is, is that wrong? Is that should that be a crime? Is that sin? And so again, it's back to the idea of a, the deliberate action in that way. Uh, and that's a great point, Father. No, we're, we, for the yeah, that's a great point. And, and they'll use that to try and make us seem foolish, right? And and we're not because it's are you choosing to do this deliberately? Are you intending this? And in the case of abortion, you are. So the intent, the the deliberate killing. So again, this is something that's alive. As one of my professors uh, in in undergrad days joked, how does it grow by accretion? You know, I mean, this 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 thing uh, is growing uh, because it's alive. It's a living entity, a living organism. So the deliberate killing of an innocent human being. So innocent. You know, the church, you know, one of the arguments that we made against the church's position was, well, is the church always against capital punishment? Is the church against war? I mean, if, if you're against killing, uh, if you're against abortion, then why aren't you against those things across the board as well? Well, because the, the whole question of, of innocence comes into play uh, as well. There are, there are times when the church allows the deliberate killing of a guilty human being. Um, but but there, the church always has said that you should never deliberately take innocent human life. You should, you should never intentionally, consciously kill an innocent human being. That's that's a basic moral principle. And again, I think that that's something that everybody, I think the vast majority of, of the human race, the vast majority of us would agree with that principle. We just disagree that, it, that some people disagree that it applies uh, in the case of abortion. Anything else with the innocence, innocent that you think is worth pointing out, Father? Um, no, and, and again, I think the innocence also, and as you were saying, there kind of points out the difference between um, a style of murder, which abortion would then fit under uh, this, that, uh, uh, um, that heading, as opposed to something like the action of a, of a, of a military action, um, or even like a defensive action and same way and against an unjust aggressor against your person. Um, and so there are distinctions that are made in that way. And then those are distinctions that we don't just find in, you know, people talking about abortion. These are distinctions that you find in the law already. We're just applying these uh, distinctions already in law and natural moral law and the laws of our own country and applying it to this situation. Exactly. Yeah. We, these are principles that we already hold to. Um, we just... Self-evident uh, principles. Yes. But we, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, people don't always recognize that they apply in the case of abortion uh, in, in support of the pro-life position. So the deliberate killing of an innocent human being, and, and human being. So this is, I think, the, the, the biggest one uh, that people would question. Okay, so it's alive, but it's just a blob of tissue. It's a mass of cells or whatever. It's, a, um, it's, not, it's not a human being. And, and through one, of the re- one of the reasons that with both or two of the, um, the individuals that I mentioned earlier, Nathanson and, and Abby Johnson, uh, ultrasound technology was instrumental in both of their cases for that. I mean, coming realizing that you know relatively early on in 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 the gestation of a human being um that that we recognize uh in a very clear way the form of a human being the appearance of a human being um even even if yeah so we recognize that and and so that was important for both of them but even if apart from that whole appearance issues the whole appearance issue 
what makes a human being a human being? And Father, this is the question that for me in my discussion uh, with with the abortion rights advocate uh, years ago really helped me to better understand and be able to explain, frankly, the, the pro-life position. What makes a human being a human being? Because we would even say, we would say that at the moment of fertilization, that there is a human being present. And no, it does not look, it does not have, there are no arms, there are no legs, there's no heartbeat, there are, there's no brain activity. The, the very, the, that first cell is a human being. And that's where some people, whoa, 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 I can, I can handle, you know, heartbeat, arms, legs. Certain point of gestation. Exactly. But, but when, if you're going to say that a single cell is a human being, undivided yet, although it happens relatively quickly, that a single cell it is a human being, has the same dignity and worth and value as a human being. Uh, I have a hard time with that. And there are a number of people, uh, frankly, on the pro-life side, people, or I should say people who would support restrictions on abortion rights, who still believe that abortion very early on should be legal for exactly this reason. They, they have a hard time understanding the idea, accepting the idea that that the, the very earliest stages of gestation, that that truly is a human being. So I've been talking for a while, Father. How do you explain that, yes, even that tiny organism, just a cell or two or four, is a human being? Well, before we get to whether I can prove fully and exactly that it is a human being, but I think we can, um, there's also the question, do I even have to prove absolutely that it is? Or is it enough for us to just prove that it could be or likely is? You know, um, and so if, and then where does the burden of responsibility lie? You have a burden, as a human being, you have a burden of responsibility to care for and protect other human life. Okay. It's a basic fundamental truth. We just know that you have uh, a responsibility to care for other human life. It's, it's written into us. And so uh, uh, if I'm uh, deer hunting in South Dakota and I hear a rustling in the bushes, uh, I can't just fire away because I think it might be a deer. Right. Right. I have an obligation to ensure that it is most certainly not a fellow human being before I pull the trigger. You know, uh, in gun safety courses, hunting safety courses, they talk about you can't unpull the trigger. Right. Right. You know, right. the safest shot is the shot you never take. Right. And, and so I have an obligation to ensure that. And so if there is this rustling in the bushes, I have to ensure that it is uh, uh, not a human person, ensure that it is a deer, make sure it's not a uh, livestock that's worth uh, money to its landowner and things like that before I pull the trigger. Right. Well, the same way then with any human action, we have to go to that idea of moral certainty, moral certainty that this is not a human life. So the burden of proof isn't on me to prove that a one-celled embryo is a human life. The burden of, because all the other evidence shows that it's moving towards human life. You know, there is nothing, uh, there is, uh, uh, unless something goes wrong with the process itself, that one-celled organism, it, you know, will become an adult a born human person. Right. Right. Uh, with all those uh, rights uh, and obligations on it. 
And so uh, unless something out of the ordinary happens, such as a sad but common defect in the uh, cycle of the woman where maybe the fertilized uh, uh, egg, the embryo, does not implant or uh, some difficulty during uh, the gestational cycle and the child uh, spontaneously miscarriages, is miscarried, you know, that child is moving all the way from conception to birth. And so from those, in that movement, then the burden of proof has to be on those who would say it is not human. You have to prove to me definitively that it is not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So the key point there is we're not saying that you can't kill it because it's it's going to become human. We say it's you can't kill it because it is human, and we see that because it res, it will mature into you know a, a neonate, a newborn, an adolescent, and then adult. All things being equal, if everything goes as it's supposed to. Because right. that's that, Father. I think that's one common misunderstanding um, about those who disagree. The, 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 those who disagree with this hold to, they say, "Well, you're saying that 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 we we can't kill the embryo because it's going to become a human being um, at birth." No, no, no. It are, we say it already is a human being. Right. How do we know it, it is a human being? Because that's what happens. It, it continues to mature and and look as we expect a human being to look. And I see no other one cell organism that, following its natural. Uh, progression becomes something that it wasn't already as a one-cell organism. Exactly. So the other thing, the other thing, and along those lines, okay, genetically, it's a, it's, it's, it belongs to our species. This, this embryo is genetically Homo sapien, um, and it is, it is uh, distinct from, obviously, the father, but also from the mother. It is a different. Uh, member of the 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 species Homo sapiens than the mother. It's a, it's not part of the mother. Um, it's it's distinct from the mother, and it is it's not just a cell. It's not just a human cell. It is truly a human organism because it will again, as we we're just saying, all things being equal, it will mature in the way that a human organism matures. My skin cells will not mature all things being equal into another human being. My hair cells, any any other cell in my body will not not of its own accord develop into a, 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 a full-fledged mature human being. The embryo, all things being equal, will, which is another way that we see that it is, in fact, a human being. Just scientifically, there are all sorts of articles. Again, the, the Atheist for Life website, Father, I think is a great, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that earlier. Uh, it's a great reference for just scientifically, biologically, the science of embryology. We know that the human being, apart from, you know, well, how do we know the human being has dignity? We know that the human being originates at the moment of conception as a matter of biology, not theology, not philosophy. Right, and, and and that's also part of uh, maybe a frustration for us as we try to present this, um, is that it seems so self-evident. And it's hard to argue what's self-evident. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there, it's there. You see it, you know. You you can know, but but in some ways, there's people who deny it. Yeah, but father, I I can't. Believe we got like half a minute left. This this went quickly today. <laughs> it did. Um, so maybe maybe it'd be worth at some point, and probably not next week, but maybe we could uh, spend some time unpacking more. You know, just talking about w- what it means to be a human being and, and how we know, uh, not just in the issue of abortion uh, with the, the embryo, but just in general, how we know what it is. What, what does it mean to be human? What do you think? That's a great topic. 
Okay, so we will uh, we'll revisit that more. But again, that's the basic argument. Uh, we're opposed to the deliberate killing of an innocent human being. And with that, we will draw this episode of Ignition to a close. Thank you for listening. Again, if you have any questions, comments, complaints, uh, ideas for future episodes, send them to me by email, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.